Welcome to LifeBridge Online. Once again, we are grateful that you are allowing us to come be part of your world. Thank you for letting us minister you. Whenever it is that you're watching this or however you are receiving this, we are grateful that you allow us into your homes and into your lives. Uh, next Sunday, as, as we move into celebrating Christmas and, and the days after Christmas, I want to just let everyone know that we will only be offering services online. Uh, this week, we're going to make communion packets available. And on the 27th, we're going to have a church-wide online service. Uh, worship will be part of it. Uh, communion will be part of it. Some teaching will certainly be in place. And, and that's going to be offered online only. So if you need communion supplies, please reach out to us. And let us know about uh, how many you need, and we will make sure that you get those this week. Also, want to remind everyone that our Christmas Eve service is, is coming up. It's going to be at 5.30 on Thursday. And unfortunately, we are not able to record this service. There's just too many different elements, and uh, the, the candlelight service is always uh, a, a special service. So this service is only going to be offered in person. And I, and I understand that uh, many of you who are at home right now, you are doing what is best for you. You're protecting yourself, worried about your health. Uh, and we certainly understand that. And, and just know that we regret not being able to record this and provide this service to you and your family. But with that said, we hope that you will take advantage of, of the evening at some point in time with your family, uh, gather everyone around and point everyone to, to Jesus, to the manger, to the gift that God gave the world. Speaking of that, we end our Christmas series today with our fifth spiritual discipline. Yeah, we've been talking about spiritual disciplines a lot this year. And if you've been listening along, at least in these past few weeks, you understand that spiritual disciplines, when applied to life, when lived out, they bring us to a place where God can transform us. Like, like that's the beauty of adding spiritual disciplines to our life. This is where God transforms us. Of course, we've been talking a lot. and We use the verse found in 1 Timothy chapter 4, where Paul's talking to Timothy. And he says this, and I'll be reading from the NLT. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly tells us that we are to train ourselves to, to be godly. And Paul, as he's discipling Timothy, he emphasizes the importance of training for godliness. Uh, I, I've been going to the gym, and I've been trying to do better from a, a health-wise uh, perspective. And uh, go to the gym and uh, try to do my routine, and it's amazing uh, to, to watch those people who have been at this for years. And, and you see just uh, their bodies. You see the physical shape that they're in. I mean, there's this one guy that he gets on the treadmill. When I usually get there in the morning, he's running. And he's running at, at a speed equal to what I pretty much drove to the gym at. And when I leave 45 minutes to an hour later, that guy is still on the treadmill, and he is still running at an incredible pace. 
Paul tells Timothy, this physical training is of some value. It's good. But training to be godly has value now and value in the life to come. So he emphasizes the importance of training ourselves. You know, there's an author by the name of Phillips uh, Brooks, and he says, the great purpose of life is the shaping of our character by truth. Now, I want, I want to say that again. The great purpose of life is the shaping of character by truth. In the spiritual disciplines, 16 or so is agreed upon by most theologians by most theologians, when incorporated in life, they will shape our character by truth. So this year, as we've spent uh, the bulk of the year talking about spiritual disciplines, taking the, the steps to apply and to live out the spiritual disciplines, we, we've talked about several. We've talked about fasting. We've talked about worship, prayer, Study. We've done two inductive Bible studies this year. Uh, we've talked about gratitude. We've talked about simplicity. We've talked about submission. And today we kind of wrap up all of this with one final discipline that we want to share with you from the Christmas story. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew, the second chapter. And I want to read verses 1 through 12. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be, will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was born. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So you read this story, and you actually can pick up a couple of different disciplines that we've already talked about and discussed so far, right? Like these men, these, these scholars, these kings, whatever their 
uh, party size was, these visitors from the east, they're practicing submission. Because somewhere in their life, they are living their life as they do in whatever role, whatever capacity they live, and, and they submit to the will of God to make this trek to, to, to Jerusalem, further on to Bethlehem. So they practice the spiritual discipline of submission, coming from a far-off land. They, they also submit to God when he intervenes with a dream and says, don't go back to Herod, go another way. They had every plan to go back to Herod and say, here's where the baby is. But no, they practice submission. It mentions it in there that they've come to worship uh, the king. And, and, and then it says that they did bow down and they worshiped the king. We've already discussed those disciplines, so we're going to actually choose something else that takes place in this story. We're going to talk about the action that took place once these visitors from the east came into the presence of the baby Messiah. Verse 11 says that they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Giving is a spiritual discipline that is certainly part of worship. It's an act of worship, but it stands alone. And when you think about giving, you know, there's different types of people in the world, right? Some people are just natural givers. Hey, they will give you the shirt off their back without a second thought. You have a need, you have a request, you make it. I mean, some people, they'll, they'll just, they, they live to give, as we sometimes say. And they, they receive joy knowing that they have been able to give and help someone out. Some people, though, man, to give is, is to labor. It, it's to work. It doesn't come natural. It doesn't come easy. I, I know that our story today alludes to gifts that were given to Jesus, but the discipline of giving that I want to talk about today goes beyond monetary or materialistic gifts. I, I know what you're thinking. It's like, oh, great, right here at Christmas time, another sermon on giving. And man, we've been talking about giving, and you emphasize giving, and we're doing this capital campaign and challenging us to give above and beyond, and he's going to hit us one more time. Uh, no, that, that's, that's not it. I, I actually want to take this, the gift of the spiritual discipline of giving, and, and I, I want to take it to a different level, more than just money. The spiritual discipline of giving has to do more with giving of self. Giving our life to, the, to God and giving our life to others. And here's the thing when we learn this. When, when we implement this spiritual discipline, there, there's great benefit Richard Foster says that giving is often a tremendous stimulant to the life of faith. If our spiritual vitality seems low, 
If Bible study produces only dusty words, if prayer seems hollow and empty, then perhaps a prescription of lavish and joyful giving is just what we need. Giving brings authenticity and vitality to our devotional experience. I, I love this. I love what Richard Foster says about, about giving here. He says, giving jumpstarts our lackluster faith that we all feel sometimes. Man, I, I know right now life is super busy. Even though that we're on some level of, of, of quarantine and social distancing and trying to limit our exposure to others and going and doing, man, it still seems incredibly busy. And in the busyness of life and everything that is involved with this time of year, it's easy to forget God. It's easy to put God on, on the back burner. And when that happens, man, sometimes God just seems distant. He, he doesn't seem as close. And Richard Foster says that if, you, if you're distant to God, then start practicing this discipline of giving and see what happens. It's, it's like a jump start to the, the relationship. And so when we speak of giving, man, this needs to involve more than just the checkbook. This past week, I got the opportunity to go to Georgia for a couple of days, and I was driving back, and I was listening to, to something that the Promise Keepers has actually put out. And, and I don't even remember who the speaker was at the time, but they were talking about Promise Keepers and, and moving into the future and, and what their future holds. And, and this speaker was talking about how the American Christian monetary giving is super easy. We, we just give out of our abundance. And in giving of money costs us less than giving of self. And, and where giving of money certainly is important and it certainly meets needs, that's not at the heart of what the spiritual discipline of giving is about. Giving is a discipline of our lives. It's a discipline of our very existence and who we are. Paul wrote to the church at Rome, in Romans 12, verse 1, he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he finds acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Paul's telling the church that we're to give our bodies to God because all that he has done for us. He says, let your lives be living and holy sacrifice. That's how you worship God. You give of your life, you give of yourself in a manner that is done to, uh, to God because of what he has done for us. You know, we've talked about worship, and that's a big part of what worship is, responding to God for what he has done. And certainly giving of self is how we truly worship him. So as we learn to give beyond monetary means and we start giving of our lives, we jumpstart, we revitalize our faith. Giving certainly is beneficial to us. I, 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 I think about mission trips and you talk to most people who have gone on a mission trip, you know, the idea is we're going to go to a foreign country and we're going to bless these people. 
man, we're going to go over there and we're going to serve and we're going to work and we're going to, we're going to take time out of our lives and we're going to go and we're going to be a blessing to these people. And, and here's the thing. Every time I've ever been on a mission trip to be a blessing of other to others and to meet the needs of others, I've been the recipient of the reward of giving. Every single time I've been on a mission trip, I have come back, come back and my, my faith is revitalized. I'm encouraged. Now, even if it's for a short period of time, I am the recipient of a blessing when the, the spiritual discipline of giving is lived out. However, when we give and when we give of self, our giving should benefit others too. Like, like that's the idea of giving is, is for it to be a, a, a gift, a, a, a benefit to others. Giving often meets the needs in the lives of others. Like that's the beautiful thing of giving is, is it's going to create some positive vibe. It's going to meet the needs of other people. You know, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and he's talking about giving, and there's some monetary giving and supporting him that he's talking about. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12, he says, So two good things will result from the ministry of giving. Like there's going to be two things that happen. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So that when we are giving of self, we, we are accomplishing two things. We are meeting the needs of others, and we are giving them the opportunity to praise God and express thanks to God. So, so giving of self is important. As we give of self, we benefit in that God is transforming us to his likeness, and God is using you to meet the needs of others. And so giving is a serious spiritual discipline that needs to be an active part of who we are in Christ. There's an interesting dialogue between Jesus and his followers towards the end of his ministry. If you go read Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, he, he, he's talking a lot about end times. The cross is, is quickly approaching, and, and it's, it's almost like Jesus is having this, this sense of urgency to communicate to the believers about the end times and what this is going to look like, how it's, how it's going to go down. And Jesus transitions into Matthew 25, and he is speaking of the final judgment. And he gives us this preview as to this is what it's going to look like. The, all people, he says, are going to be separated into two groups, not just Americans, uh, not just Africans, not, not just people groups, but all people are going to be taken up to, to this place, whatever it looks like. Okay, there's going to be angels, and there's going to be blasts of trumpets, and God's going to come, and Jesus is going to come in his glory. There's going to be all kinds of chaos. There's going to be things taking place that we don't understand. But all people are going to be separated into two groups. And Jesus refers to the two groups as sheep and goats. And he says, I'm going to put the sheep on my right, and I'm going to put the goats on my left. And as you read through this, we're not going to read it here. 
But look at the characteristics of the sheep. This, this is the distinguishing marks of Jesus in, in this dialogue about the final judgment. The sheep are the ones who are going to inherit eternal life. The sheep are the ones who are going to receive the blessing of God and what is being prepared for us right now. But these are the characteristics of the sheep. The sheep are the ones who gave food and drink to those who were hungry and thirsty. The sheep are the ones who gave of their homes to the strangers who needed shelter. The sheep are the ones who gave of themselves to care for the oppressed, to care for the hurting. The sheep are the ones who gave of their time to minister to those who were in prison and those who were less fortunate. This end time conversation, this final judgment conversation that Jesus is having with his followers is all about those who did or did not give of self. This is the very nature of God. This is what is accomplished in the discipline of giving. To give of self in a sacrificial manner. And here's the thing. This is the very thing that we should be celebrating this season of year. God gave sacrificially a gift to the world to meet our greatest need. It wasn't an easy gift. It wasn't a gift that, that God who demonstrates his, his love and Jesus who demonstrates the discipline of giving over and over and over and over again. It wasn't something that came easy, but it was something that had to be done. And it was sacrificial giving to a world in need. John 3.16 says it best. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. He gave his one and only son. As we celebrate together this week, Christmas, we celebrate with family, we celebrate with friends. As we give gifts to one another out of love, may we remember the discipline of giving. And as it's often said this time of year, it's better to give than to receive. May you live this, not just with gifts underneath the Christmas tree, but with the gift of your life to others. Love you all. Hope you have a Merry Christmas. I can't wait till we are back giving of self, worshiping God together.